You're listening to the Soakin' Community Podcast. Your favorite source for gaming, film, and internet debate starts now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soakin' Podcast. I'm your host, T, and with me are Jace and Leo. Drayson. Jace Drayson. Hello. I'm Leo. This week has been pretty eventful on the home front for the community team here in Soken. Shout out to Val for becoming the newest community officer. Shout out. Raise the roof for Val. Uh, speaking of, the day that we're recording this is actually uh, his three-year anniversary in Soken. Nice. You did it. Three is the perfect number, too. All of the things are aligning for you. There have actually been several promotions here since last season. I think... Maybe everyone here? I think you're right. <laughs> there have been... We didn't even talk about that prior. No. We just kind of glossed over it, but we're all kind of promoted. We leveled up in the off-season. Yeah. Good job, us. Life is good. We're amazing. If you want to know more about who was promoted and when, check out our Twitter feed. I'm a little low energy tonight. I'm going to try to do a little crack cocaine or something to just boost myself up and see if I can't get a little juice and in, in the veins maybe a little methamphetamine i don't know i need something to give me a little excitement and verve so that we can get passionately into talking about these geeky topics to which we are so devoted speaking of this week we'll be going over the upcoming dune remake cyberpunk 2077's brief microtransaction issue and the recent information on the new consoles to come this year On September 9th, Warner Bros. posted a trailer for their Dune remake. The classic film remake was announced way back in 2008, and it's taken until now to finally get made. This is a 12-year-old movie, guys. That makes it, what, a fourth grader? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> well, really, it's an older movie than that. I mean, it's the, the source material is, I think, older than me, and I'm old. I think it is, For the record, uh, I believe the oldest in the room. Yeah, but don't tell anyone. Let's keep that between the sheets. <laughs> yeah, Dune was a 1965 science fiction. Believe it or not, I wasn't born in the 60s. I wasn't alive in any of the 60s years. So, um, yeah, this this source material is classic science fiction by Frank Herbert. And um, it is a tale that science fiction lovers have loved pretty much since it, since it came out. I... I I'm actually a big fan of the story, um, but I did—I did, actually did not know until reading the script that this particular iteration had taken so long to find footing. Yeah, nor I. That's interesting. I wonder what kind of setbacks they've had or if they've intentionally taken as long as they have to try and do it right. I feel like there's a certain point when you're making films where you just have to like bite the bullet because at some point you're going to be making this movie and then you're like, all right, cool, we're almost done. And then they come out with new special effects and you're like, oh no, time to redo everything because our special effects now have to be up to par with the new stuff that's coming out. <laughs> right. Back Unless to the drawing you do board. Anim or you do puppets. Everyone loves puppets. <laughs> Everyone loves puppets. This is why animated and stop motion films are superior to live action. 
Avatar The Last Airbender. What, what? We like, like, three things. We always <laughs> circle back to them. So I, I did watch, um, I think, what's probably the most popular film adaptation. Um, and I don't know. I think it might have been my youth when I watched it. I found it really hard to follow, and I found it kind of slow in a lot of places. Um, but since watching it after that initial viewing it's a really compelling story and i think it's a really interesting uh a really interesting take on what the future of humanity might be um because who knows we're remarkably flawed and if we make it as far out what's it like thirty thousand years or twenty thousand years in the future some crazy amount of time um who knows what we'll be able to do i was a huge fan of the original dune like the 1980s dune movie um I loved it. I was borderline obsessed with it, and none of my friends got it at all. In fact, I have friends who, to this day, that was a long time ago, you guys, 1984, and I had friends when I was a child who I made watch it. I had friends in college that I would make watch it, and to this day, they give me crap about it because they found it incredibly boring. Now, <laughs> admittedly, it's a slower-moving movie, and it's very cerebral, but I thought it was just fantastic. Plus, Sting is in it. Who doesn't love Sting? I know, He's right? Barely in a cod piece, even. So that was probably an awakening for me in some ways. But I loved Dune, and I love the story of Dune. I actually really was a fan. There was a, I think it was a miniseries on Sci-Fi Network several years ago, many years ago, that I also thought they did a very good job on it. But I still preferred the original, just I think because of nostalgia. I'm really interesting. Uh, I'm really interested to see it through. A modern lens if I, I don't know it, it it's such a hard call to make on whether or not like um what to change in in the retelling of a story and then of course how true do you stay to the original story but still affording you know the writers and the director and everybody involved their chance at some creative liberty um that's a really tough call uh i'm I'm hoping it stays, I'd rather it be closer than farther away um, than the original story. And I suspect that's probably a, a huge um, uh, sentiment of a lot of the fan base. They really just kind of want to see, I think, a reskinned Dune with modern special effects, with, um, you know, new, new tricks that um, cinema has learned in the well, 1984 was that like 36 years ago good night. <laughs> there's a lot's been learned since then and I, I i'm really interested to see it the um the trailer blew me away looks mm -hmm. so good and i'm Epic. i'm stoked to see it yeah i am too when in the nerd sphere one of the things that we were all really <laughs> anxiously waiting to see is how they were going to handle the uh, personal like the body shields and yeah. the trailer gave you a peek at that and it looks like they nailed it so i think they're going to do a good job yeah better than the um minecraft characters that they yeah, used right. to be <laughs> so a remastered dune but not a redone dune yeah that that's what i'm hoping for okay well it's a. Uh... this is definitely an adaptation nightmare and has been for a while uh, ever since the book was released way back in the 60s, 
the film rights have hopped around and been owned by all sorts of companies and picked up by all sorts of names. Two screen versions existed before the 1984 version, and there was that miniseries in 2000. With only one of many attempted versions actually having made a name for itself, do you think that this adaptation can survive a critical 2020 audience? And I think that that actually ties a little bit into some of what you're saying of like, what do they change about it too? Because if I remember right, there's a little bit of controversy about like a couple of the topics in the original source material. Ooh, I'm a, well, I'm not a fan of controversy, but I do like knowing about it. <laughs> um, Spill yeah. the tea. Yeah, let's share the tea. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I Like I said, there's there's that that fine line to walk between affording creative liberty and perhaps even improving on an on a story but still trying to stay as true to the source material as you can in order to honor what the fans are really interested in watching um i do think um fans today are way more critical than they probably were in 1984 and then of course they they probably were in the 60s with the with the book um but the uh I don't know. I, I think if while we are more critical, it's because we're more savvy. And I think audiences um, at this point, they kind of get when there isn't heart put into a show uh, or there isn't the, you know, the right kind of love of the source material that that shows through. And I think a lot of people, they pick up on that now where they might not have. So so long as they come into it with the right intentions, which it it looks like it has or they have then i think it'll i think it'll be fine i'm kind of just still agog at the fact that i said that the sci-fi miniseries was several years ago and you said it was in 2000 so that was 20 years ago a few is 20 kids cling to every moment in your life because it's spilling out so quickly soon you will <laughs> just, be dead it just disappears like Ching, like the memory of a dream that blows my mind i, I feel like i just watched that on sci-fi years Anyway, yeah, there is some, even, uh, you know, I told you about the uh, personal shields being one of the things that the nerdy nerds were talking about on the on the blogs. And another one of the things is that it was really clear in the trailer that they, so you get to hear many of the classic, like, quotable lines from the novel, which which is great. Because the novel has, you know, those thinky, thinky cerebral, cerebral lines that made the original, or I guess the 1984 movie, so good and memorable. Um, and, and those themes feel deep they feel when you say fear is the mind killer like there's there's just a resonance with that you think that that means something it's almost like it's a religion and people are really devoted to a lot of that original theme and kind of uh symbology but it was really clear in the trailer that one of those classic quotes they changed and said crusade rather than jihad and i guess we'll just wade right into controversy but that's part of what makes the story so good is and, and what really makes sci-fi in general so good is when you can delve into things that are difficult human concepts and then kind of elevate them to a level where you don't feel as personally maybe offended or tied or biased to them and then you can see this element in a new light in a different way and it makes you kind of re-examine what it means to be human what it means to be um, existing in the world that we do live in i always think that's the best sci-fi but it was really clear that they were trying to pull away from those hot button words like jihad and use something more like crusade in the in the trailer it was blatant to a lot of the um 
more purists, I suppose, uh, who are looking for Frank Herbert's vision. All right. In that case, let's go for the cast. Which means I have to pronounce some names. Drum roll, please. Everybody seems to love Timothy Shamal. Eh. Yeah. Survey says. Shalomal. Everyone seems to love Chalamet lately, but we've also got big names like Rebecca Ferguson, Stellan Skarsgård, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Zendaya, and many more. Uh, Zendaya was in all caps, so I had to put the appropriate amount of excitement into my voice. Uh, so how do you guys like that lineup so far? Um, I'm a big fan, and I feel a little bit like a trope or a cliche to say how much I really like Timothy Chalamet because I do. I think he's uh, just a precious angel. And I think I probably discovered him when everyone else did uh, around the time of Call Me By Your Name. And, you know, that, that movie destroys your life for a couple of days. But I have since seen him in several other things that I didn't realize he was in, um, you know, when as a, as a little feller. But he's just such a good actor. He brings so much gravitas to a role for being such a young fellow and, and kind of, I don't know, uh, twinkish maybe. <laughs> but um, certainly he's great. I was not a Zendaya fan probably until Spider-Man. And then I felt like I had to like her because she was MJ. <laughs> I think it's in the contract when you like Spider-Man. <laughs> right. right. So then I, I sort of, I actually became aware of her when she was just a child and was on the Disney Channel. She, my, my daughter was a fan of a show that she was on about two preteen or tween dancer girls. And, and so I, I watched a, a lot of hours of Zendaya. But, um, I mean, I think it's great. I think that they're, the, the cool thing about these all-star casts is they're not like super recognizable all-star casts. They're recognizable, yes. They're, they're in these AAA movies for sure. But it's not like it's a household name yet, maybe. So these are names that, I don't know, I guess most of them kind of almost are if you've got freaking Thanos in there. But, you know, it, it's it's a good all-star cast. It's, it's people who bring a lot of depth to roles, not just a name. Yeah. They're phenomenal actors. And I agree with your point about them. Like, they're A-list celebrities, but they're the, they're the kind of A-list celebrity that... I had to look up some of their names and when I saw their face I was like oh yeah Josh Brolin that's Thanos <laughs> like it, it was that kind of uh, or at least they're at that level of celebrity um, with the exception of we're, we're upsetting Sil we did not pronounce Zendaya properly <laughs> and it let it be noted uh, Sil is a Zendaya fanboy so um, we have to make sure we get that correct um zendaya is also one of the uh, actors on that list that i have a very similar history with i i remember her from the disney channel and it wasn't until um the greatest showman when i saw her like in a real role like really acting um and i was impressed i thought she was phenomenal um and i'm i'm excited about all these let, let's say really recognizable faces if not names for me um getting together and and i think they do all bring really good acting um to the to the show 
and I'm I'm excited to see them play these parts. I'm just excited to see Oscar Isaac in a movie again. Me too, and he looks just fantastic in this film as well. He plays um, Timothy's Apollo Trades' father. Is that correct? Duke yeah. Leto. Yeah, Duke Leto. I'm actually. I think that's just fantastic casting. I'm really excited about the cast. I'm gonna watch him the whole time and be like, "Oh, look, it's Poe," and then like. Yeah, it's hard for me even looking at his picture on IMDb. I see Poe. And I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a hard time backing away from that. Once you I guess that's Star the curse Wars. of Star Wars, right? Because like... Star Wars, you never go back. <laughs> yeah. And once you mention it once on a podcast, you'll mention it in every episode. Well, but even for the actors, though, like that was a that was a big issue for like a lot of Star Wars actors. Um, Daisy Ridley is is Ray now, um, and I don't know Mark Hamill. Like was forever Luke. Dude is still Luke, whenever, whenever you see him. I mean, he did. He was a phenomenal voice actor. I think. I think he is the quintessential Joker voice. Um, but yeah, still, I don't know. It's hard not to see them as those roles. Which is really funny, considering that Dune has been uh, cited as both the part of the inspiration for Star Wars and an anti-Star Wars. Yeah, for sure. I will spare you another lecture. That was last episode. <laughs> Give us the tea, but, tea. Uh, Dune is set to release on December 18th, so we're not too far off, assuming that quarantine doesn't strike yet again. Uh, fans of the novel or the 1984 film won't have too long to wait before we get another look at this version of Paul and Arrakis. We live for a cyberpunk future. Some of us insist that we are already within one. And the ever-patient CD Projekt Red fans are concerned because they're hearing about a leak confirming that their cyberpunk future for Cyberpunk 2077 will contain microtransactions. And then we're promptly confused because that was quickly denounced. And then more so when two minutes later they said that there would be. But we kind of went back and forth on that. To clear it up a little bit, according to CD Projekt Red, Cyberpunk 2077 and Cyberpunk Online are technically separate projects. The single player is self-contained and it's a one-payment story. The online multiplayer, on the other hand, will contain microtransactions. If you're intending to play the multiplayer, do you think that this is just going to be a matter of like power-ups or more just cosmetics? I heard Go both ahead, of us James. take a breath at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was both that inhale to hear me talk. Well, uh, I, I'm i just going to take a stab here. I don't know. I assume that these will be cosmetics because that seems to be the only way that you can say with any sort of palliative easement that you're going to have microtransactions. Stress not everyone. These will only be either quality of life and or cosmetic improvements to um your your play so my guess is that they will be just that it it's it is my hope that they will be just that this as far as i know is this cd projects red Pro, cd project reds first foray into online gaming multiplayer Does i believe so 
I, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I, I think so. Um, so that gives me pause to, to be a little concerned because there are, um, there are valuable lessons to be learned in online spaces and in multiplayer spaces. Um, I, I think a lot of companies have learned hard lessons on what fan bases and the gaming community community are, um, both looking for and willing to tolerate. And, um, they're looking for no microtransactions because that's just such a bad word. They're willing to tolerate microtransactions that are cosmetic or quality of life. Um, me personally, I, I mean, I think JC and I are on the exact same page here. D don't mind it. Like it, it right. I've got no issue whatsoever if it's cosmetic and quality of life. In fact, I'm in favor of it because it means uh, idiots like me are going to pay for that jacket I like or that, you know, that new hat that just came Planet, out Planet, that I think looks too. cool. And what that does is it improves uh, the not only the longevity the, the longevity of the game, but the quality of the game because they're going to be able to pour more resources into it, um, ideally. Now, where it goes awry is when those microtransactions um, make the game pay to win. And a lot of companies have attempted the pay to win model and it's only been through fan backlash that many of them have learned not to do it. Some still do it. Uh, and I'm concerned that CD Projekt Red has not learned that lesson. Um, and who knows? They may... I, I want to like CD Projekt Red because uh, I have loved their games. And so I want to like them. And I really hope they don't screw this up. But I don't know. Fingers crossed. I, I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here. Imagine that. Just because I feel like they are gamers who became producers. And I feel like they get it. They know <clears throat> they know what it is to be a gamer. They know the frustrations of living in a world where, where money is everything. And the, the bottom line is, and the, the shareholders are the end of the in, you know that's the end of the conversation so i think that their philosophy in general is going to be more about catering to gamers and, and a good quality project uh, product to put out uh, i i'll give them that but yes you and i are totally aligned on this i do not mind dropping money in fact i'm going to drop money if i want something i am actually leo and i are both playing um avengers marvel's avengers and i'm actually looking for a way to drop some money because i'm waiting for that ultimate captain america costume to pop out so that i can drop my my real world money on it and have something unique and flashy to to dance around in um yeah. even i do have a captain america that goes shirtless sometimes <laughs> i've already i've already looked through the menu of I, I'm I'm maining Iron Man, so I'm looking through like, what kind of color do I like his suit to be? And what? Mm, let's see when that one comes up comes yeah, up for sale. Exactly. I've been doing the same <laughs> thing, man. We're whales. Is that what they call us? Whales? Yes, they call us whales. Although, I don't think we're technically whales because, um, well, I don't know what the dollar limit is, but whales will spend hundreds to thousands on, on some games. I've even heard. Can you believe it? Like on mobile games. People no, dropping no. thousands of dollars? No, like, no. ugh, gross. 
I've actually, uh, I've actually met those people. I'm probably <sighs> an Elder Scrolls whale, I imagine. <laughs> I probably am too. It was actually through the, the mobile games is how I first learned of that term and what it means. Um, and specifically it was associated with loot boxes because they would just spam the loot boxes over and over again until they got the rare skins. Oh, that just, I, I did so that in crazy. Star Wars. Yeah, I used to do that in Star Wars Old Republic Sotor. I would, uh, whenever those boxes came out and there was a certain outfit I wanted, I remember dropping a lot of money on on those boxes yeah. until I got what I wanted. But then you sell stuff. The good thing about Star Wars is you, it wasn't bound. So if you got something you didn't really want, you could put it on the market or whatever they called it over there and make a lot of credits. GT gun? Yeah. So the exact details have, for CD Projekt Red specifically, has been limited. We've talked a lot before about the differences between what the different routes you can take because, you know, as as you guys have said, they said, we're going to give you guys the opportunity to buy more stuff within the game. And we went, oh, no. And then they went, but it's a new haircut. And we went, oh. And we've talked about all sorts of different things, usually involving EA. It seems most companies guilty of using loot boxes or any other microtransactions have learned what people really hate. But even the word just seems stained now. Are we are we tired of talking about them already? Have we had enough of people getting upset? Are we ready to accept it as a fact of life and move on? I mean, I I think uh, Jason and I are in lockstep on this one. I I think my opinion on this is at least at, at least pretty clear that I, I think this is something gamers just need to get over. If it's something that is quality of life slash cosmetic, of course pay to win microtransactions are the devil and should die in a fire and companies that employ them um, should feel bad about themselves um, but if they are purely cosmetic or or pure, purely quality of life um, not only do i think gamers need to get over it i think gamers need to adopt my perspective and be in favor of them and to use them as a means of continuing to support the developers and companies that are putting out games that we like. Because like once once I buy a game, for a lot of games, like the initial price, that's all the money I'm gonna give to that company. If it's able to provide me with uh, an online experience or uh, it, it's able to provide me with more time, like Marvel Avengers is right now, um, I'm willing to put a little bit more money in to show my appreciation and to look pretty because it's online Barbie time. <laughs> mm -hmm. We love our online Barbie. Fantasy Barbie, Space Barbie. I've played that in so many games. I'm going to go out on a limb here and maybe take a little bit of a controversial stance because we, we always talk about how cosmetic, quality of life, yes, 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 but pay to win, no, no, no. One thing that... that I don't remember if this was last season or another season entirely. I do think that there might be a place for, to allow people with less time and more money to compete with people with only time and maybe no money or, or refusal to spend money. As long as you don't get an unfair advantage by spending money, like getting something that other people can't get, I don't mind giving people the opportunity to spend some money and skip ahead. Um, I don't like it when you, when, so a lot of mobile games are like this. I don't like it where you are limited in your playtime 
by how much you spend. So you have to buy more credits in order to get into this particular like you you've spent your time credit for the day for instance and so in order to have more time to play you need more gems so you have to buy the gems to that then let you progress and to get another mission and click on that mission and i don't like that kind of of microtransaction i really don't have a terrible problem with gear as long as you can get the game the, the gear in game as well um i don't think it should be any better than you can get but i really it it as somebody who doesn't have as much time to game as I want, if there was a way for me to buy with money end game gear so that I can do end game stuff and maybe not be any better than anyone else, but certainly be able to participate, compete and rank, then I'm I'm practically OK with that. Oh, I think therein lies the difference. I'm I'm against that. I'm uh, I think I'm strongly against that, too, as a matter of fact. Um, I think it cheapens the experience if you can if you can just buy it. Granted, there are some games that suck when it comes to getting that kind of gear. Did you ever play EverQuest, Chase? I did not. Oh man, I I remember hours and hours spent camping something for some like one piece of gear that one person in the party needed, and like every fight would the fight itself would last like five minutes and then it would take like 20 minutes to recover your resources in order to get to the next fight it was just a crazy lengthy game see and... let me just drop 25 bucks and hand me <laughs> <laughs> well the truth is i just don't play games like that anymore i can't um but at the same time like i'll i'll identify those games like the ones i just can't commit the time to but i i don't know i i wouldn't want to be able to to just buy the gear because it i don't know i think it i think it diminishes the experience i think it diminishes I, what's needed to it get depends that gear. On what you're wanting out of the experience so like if say um i want to play with you and some of the other officers or whatever but i you guys are so far ahead of me because say my my scheduler had family in town we'll go with the real life lately i have a family in town i can't sit down and get at the computer you guys are playing and i want to play with my friends well then the experience for me is actually enhanced because i get to play with my friends by just dropping some money to get to the level or the ability score that they're at um i mean i get what you're saying as far as cheating your actual game experience certainly i agree with that you're, you're not getting the full experience of whatever it is the game designers wanted you to get that thing but in this new i guess it's relatively new world of online gaming where the experience really is about hanging out with buddies online i don't have a problem with or partially because i'm in this boat a lot i'll i would prefer to be able to just hang and not have to grind up something in order to play sure. a game with my friends i i mean i'm i'm with you i in in my opinion though the 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 more palatable solution for me is it, it, games that allow scaling i think is probably the right term yeah where yeah. you you're more or less on par level wise with with folks um that you group with but when you're not in that group you get deflated down to you know how, how basically however much time you've been able to commit to that game i i favor games like that like eso for instance It'll scale you when you when you group up with folks and you go into certain content. Um, I don't know. I prefer that. Uh, I would much prefer that than 
than just buying my my armor. Personally, I'd just be more concerned with the idea that like if I didn't have the time, I would then have to spend money to keep up with my friends. Yeah. Well, uh, like for instance, um, the situation Jace was talking about is one that I found myself in. Yeah, he, he and a buddy um, Silver were playing Marvel Avengers, and they, I had just gotten the game, and I jumped on to go with them, and like the content that I could even participate in was severely limited to what they could participate in, so they had to go down to a lower level area and try and run around as I <laughs> I just kept running in and dying <laughs> and, and the two of them had to swoop around and pick me up and like that's no fun for anyone um, that's part of why I've been so obsessed obsessed about playing the game to actually level <laughs> up so that I'm not the weak link going forward running around the tutorial area with your friend who just got the game like are you done yet are you yes. done yet <laughs> yep <laughs> we've all been there cyberpunk is coming real soon in november assuming they don't pump it again please don't pump it again whether you're paying the base price and hitting the campaign solely or jumping into online and putting in a little extra to give yourself some blue hair or whatever we'll be there with you and probably spending several hours at the character creation department Recently, Microsoft and Sony have started to announce pricing, specs, and exhibits for the Xbox Series X and the PS5. Both consoles have released pricing at $4.99. That's the same cost as the previous generation for Microsoft, but a higher price than for Sony. Do you think $500 is worth it for these new consoles? I think it's pretty standard fare. I mean, when you think about how much you spend on a gaming rig... You're, you're spending sometimes, well, most times double that, if not more, um, sometimes a lot more. So, you know, if, you've, if you're if you just buying a machine just to game on, $500 seems really fair to me. I don't think that it's it's out in left field. I do, I'm not surprised at all that Sony is coming up in price to match what um, Xbox is going to be. So I'm perfectly fine with it. Personally, I find... $500 to be very steep in order to sell your soul uh, and to dive into console peasantry. Um, so while I can appreciate that some folks want to pay that amount because they might not appreciate what peasantry actually is, uh, it's not a it's not a dollar amount I'm willing to spend. Now, that's not to say I'm not going to get them. <laughs> <laughs> because as passionate as I am, I'm also a hypocrite. And I have <laughs> <laughs> I have two daughters that uh they would much rather play, you know, just a simple plug and play kind of kind of game. Like we got a switch over the summer. Um and we'll probably get one, maybe both of these. Uh and as much as I hate to support the industry of peasantry. Um, I, I, I don't think it's too steep. Seriously, though, no. Both consoles have also announced backwards compatibility. The 360 and 1 systems games will work for the Series X, and PS4 games will work on the PS5. Why do you guys think Microsoft insists on continuing 360 compatibility now that we're a couple generations forward? 
there's some really great games on 360 and unless they're going to re-release them on the what's it called the series x then you're you're gonna have to keep your 360 or your one plugged in in order to play your classics and it, to me it's just smart business when you have especially when you've got like online stores where you can uh, have like the xbox live subscription and you know try this out for a little while you've got an entire library of games now that you can pull from some of them critically acclaimed gold standard games that really reach into some nostalgia for some gamers yeah and immediately they're sorry i got a little frog in my throat. <laughs> and okay. immediately they're available in your library which i just think it's smart business i think at some point um they're gonna have to make the decision on whether or not they're gonna continue that backward compatibility compatibility or at least how far back they go with it um I, I don't know how difficult it is to re-release some of the old games on the uh, on the new platforms. I don't think it's terribly difficult, uh, and I do think they're they're just going to have to start making those calls um, to to continue holding on to some of those older um, generations. Is I think gonna it's going to make the development more difficult of the next generation. It's why. Um, you can't get original PlayStation games to play anymore um, now unless they've been re-released. I think for the same reason I dislike consoles in general, just how how they kind of hold the gaming industry back. Um, they're they're kind of doing it to themselves as well by insisting on holding on to these um, backward compatibility models. But sometimes it's super fun. Like <clears throat> when you want to just milk that moment, if you're bored on a Sunday afternoon, nothing to do, and you want to play Spyro. Now, granted, Spyro was remastered here, I believe, within the last year. And it probably would have been remastered anyways. But, you know, you, you can just have those brain-dead cotton candy moments for uh, for gaming. And I think that it's good business. I think that when you are able to provide that as a service, especially for your subscribers... <clears throat> and it's going to triple quadruple the size of your library then it's it's a no-brainer it, some games will never be fun again and those should be let go but some games are fun forever I, oh i agree i think it's smart business for them to continue trying for as long as they can but i think at some point they they're going they're going to have to just make the step to re re-release I, I don't know what the term is when you like remaster i guess for the next generation i think they're just gonna have to they're gonna have to bite the bullet and start doing that although you know what a better platform is to play some of those old games that you've just been jonesing for and haven't been able to play in a while it's pc by can the way you literally play spyro on the pc i have no idea <laughs> no just older game like i can play a game from you know 1990 if it's a pc game i i yeah. just have to download it Sure, sure, sure. Yes, you can certainly do that on your older games. I have no problems slumming it in the peasant quarter. <laughs> yes, me lord. I'm happy to get down there with the, the scum and play on. Sometimes I would prefer to just chill out and put it on my big screen TV and, and veg on a on a console. 
Um, but I work on a computer all day long too. So it's, there's probably a little psychological situation there too, but I'm, I'm happy to do that. <laughs> you can hook your PC up to a television as well. And it's, you can get a controller. Like you can have a console experience with the PC. Yes, but that's adding a whole lot of like situation. Have you ever tried to do that? I have. And you've got to like plug and switch. You either buy extra equipment so you can have an easy swap switch or move your computer to where it can now reach your TV. It's just too much. I'll spend the 500, put, it, put that <laughs> box right next to my TV and plug and play. I've honestly never, I've never tried because I have such an aversion to console peasantry. I don't want to taint my PC experience with sitting on a couch with a controller looking at the TV. I'm a, I'm a huge snob about it. Uh, the uh, emulators exist. This is true. I've never played one. Not all of them are exactly legal. But... No, sometimes you may have to sail the high seas, if you know what I mean. But, uh, it is out there. Even for games that aren't out anymore, like uh, Star Wars Galaxies, there are emulators where you can play on private servers you can't tell you what that on a playstation baby sometimes the nostalgia is better than reliving the experience i'm gonna tell you because <laughs> yeah. i tried to go back to star wars galaxies one time and it has a very special place inside of my brain but i i was like this looks like garbage <laughs> <laughs> well the exclusive exclusive markets for the two systems are both opening up for Xbox Series X, a lot of the launch titles will be available on PC, so Leo may not have to stoop to console peasantry. Yes. Halo Infinite, uh, a Fable reboot, State of Decay 3, Forza Motorsport, and a lot of non-AAA titles are coming out on or soon after Series X's launch day. Any of these titles jumping out at you? So, I, I think I've said this before, I'm uh, not only, well, not only my slut for for high fantasy i'm also a slut for zombie games um i have i've got i've got like a dozen zombie games on my wish list on steam that i'm just waiting for a sale uh and i don't know if i'm actually gonna play them <laughs> but they just they all look so good i don't know what it is uh, i like post-apocalyptic stuff and i especially like post-apocalyptic if it has zombies in it i don't know why anywho the, the point of that zombies. tangent was that State of Decay 3 looks like it's going to like State of Decay was one of my favorite zombie games um, because it had like you 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 had uh, to find compatible people. You actually like, you know, th there was a whole lot of there was more to it than just killing zombies. You had resource management and you had, you know, people to contend with. And there was permadeath, which most games don't have. Like if a character died, they died. And you had to figure out how to continue on without them. That that's legit. That stuff is fun. Uh, well, in a video game. <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> so, State of the K three is one I'm. I've, I've got my eye on for sure. I liked the Fable series coming up. I think that Fable was its own kind of fun. It was it was kind of like fantasy light in a lot of ways. It wasn't a super super deep game, but I liked the story. And um, while it wasn't open world. 
it kind of gave you those old school RPG vibes with that kind of pathing situation. So I'm I'm interested to see what they'll they'll do with Fable next. I remember I played Fable with my wife. Um, man, when did it came out? Like we were like newlyweds, I think, or or very early in our marriage when it came out. But the the we we tried two different playthroughs. You know, I think as most people do one as virtuous and good as you could to see your character become like they change appearance and yeah. become the good angelic version and then we played the evil one to make the character like evil and demonic that was the only reason we kept playing was to watch that change i i never can get through an evil playthrough i've tried i've tried mass effect i want to go renegade i i just can't do it but you know here we are again talking about being paladins in the room i i end up being a shiny halo person yeah that's definitely my favorite playthrough i i never i never do like we played the the shiny paladin angel version and we played that one all the way through because like that was the fun game and then when we did the evil one we got to the point where we got as evil as we could look and then we quit playing because we didn't we didn't want to finish it cut that dark side corruption five and you were out yeah. <laughs> yep. well as for the ps5 uh our exclusives look like a new ratchet and clank title stray spider-man miles morales and once again a few less than immediately popular titles any of those games enough to make you consider getting that console? What do you say, Jace? <laughs> Nothing jumps out at me just at first glance. I mean, what do you think? No? Of course, <laughs> Spider-Man, 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 and and Miles Morales at that. I will tell you, this is a little bit of an aside as well. I Into the Spider-Verse was a movie that I saw the pre the trailer for, and I thought, mm, that looks like a fun little kid movie. I'll probably watch it someday. And someday came, and it came out on one of the streaming services and i watched it and i fell in love with it i was i already i, I was already a miles morales you know kind of quasi fan i'm a peter parker guy for sure first but i liked the story of miles morales and it was interesting to me to have a kind of another take in a different avenue for there to be another spider-man but that movie cemented my fandom for miles morales for sure for sure um miles morales does make an appearance in the previous the just previous spider-man PS game and you get to play as him a little bit before he is spiderized. So I am stoked to play as Miles Morales in the next Spider-Man game. So to qu quickly answer the question, the answer is no. Uh none of these games are enough to make me consider getting <laughs> either either console. Um now, I also loved Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It was a fantastic movie um i was surprised at how good it was i think we saw it in theaters when it when it first came out and i was like okay it's gonna be you know a spider-man cartoon but it wasn't it was it was so much better than that and it was a really good story a compelling story um and it was i'm, I'm not a huge comic book guy it was my first exposure to the character of miles morales and i i dug him uh it was well told a good character uh, and I liked the interaction between the um, kind of tired and worn out Peter Parker and the fresh faced Miles Morales. Like that was that was a really cool dynamic to see. Um, but 
it's not enough for me for me to dive into peasantry though one of my girls is going to want one of them for something and i'm an idiot and i'll buy it i just recently played through spider-man <laughs> not recently i guess it's been two months now but some point in pandemic life and enjoyed it just as much the second time it's a really fun game leo i believe you i mean th there are a lot of fun games out on consoles just not not fun enough for me to for me to get it well, regardless, the Xbox Series X is due to release on November 10th, and the PS5 is set for holidays of this year. This week's Tea Time question comes from an old friend of ours here on the podcast, Ofalo. Ofalo asks, what platform or bandwagons have you jumped behind that did or didn't take off? from Betamax, HD DVD, the Zune, or even Sega Dreamcast. I love how he threw Betamax in there. <laughs> I know. Yeah, thanks. That was, I think that was like a little smile and nod for us old fellers. <laughs> right? <laughs> I didn't have a GD Betamax, so follow. <laughs> my parents did. <laughs> I had Our one of my did. parents' house, yeah. I, I guess I, I kind of fell into the HD DVD phase i just was cleaning out a closet and i found a whole box full of dvds you know when everybody just was going to have their own library of movies and i mean i guess that's always been the case with vhs or whatever but i had i was pretty committed to having a movie library and a, a, a lot of that hd dvd a lot of my titles were hd and i don't know i i guess i kind of got behind that it, <laughs> i mean if there was a box i sort of fit and of course no one does that sort of thing anymore however that's not totally true i have two thrift stores that i am that i oversee for our agency and dvds go like hot cakes so there is still a market out there if you just want to spend a dollar a piece um i will say one that took off for sure was me and the rest of america got behind this product called apple um the ipods the iWatches, the iphones the ipads i i'm all into the apple world and um have all of the things so that's definitely a bandwagon that I'm riding with many millions of people. Um, there was a, a little fad that I bought into not long ago um, where uh, it was it was forecasted that every house would have a personal computer in it. And um, some people were skeptical about it, like really a personal computer. Um, kind of like back in the days when every house had a radio and people would gather around the radio and then every house had a tv and then every house had a personal computer um uh, you know i'll say i'm a i'm a i'm a pc uh fanboy um if that wasn't plainly obvious uh but no uh to actually answer this question i have an embarrassing little admission i need to make um i was a huge sony playstation fanboy <laughs> back in the day uh when i think i had well Super the truth Nintendo. comes out <laughs> there was it like it, not i don't know if they were the console wars back then but when sony playstation released i remember being just dumbfounded at how good the games were how easy it was to play them um uh, and i was a huge 
PlayStation fanboy for a little while. Uh, and Xbox came out and I was like, no, Xbox is the devil. <laughs> and uh, then, I don't know, PlayStation 2 came out. And then I eventually, like, I bought my own PC and I saw the light. Uh, but until then, uh, well, that's a, obviously a bandwagon that is still ongoing. PlayStation 5 here we're talking about. So, yeah. Um, I think my always... dark history. I remember having an Apple IIc when I was a younger person in in the home with the parents. So we we had personal computers even even back then when they were just I guess that's not just coming out because I think there were versions like the Apple IIe and ones that came out before. But we were an Apple IIc family, and mm. um, then you know when I went to college, I had a computer. I remember when there was a quote unquote computer lab. It, at my college and it was like three computers upstairs in one of the empty rooms in the dorm <laughs> like they hadn't even committed <laughs> yeah. to that crap yet we were we were visiting some family over the weekend and one of them said to me and my wife she was like you know when i went to college we had to go to the library and we didn't have google to answer all our questions and i was like yeah neither did we <laughs> like we, yeah, no joke how, how yeah. old do you think we are yeah right it's like I had to go to the library. Like the internet was just kind of catching on. This was in, like, I graduated high school in '97. Um, but T, how about you? Well, uh, well, you should ask because uh, I did have Google. Uh, I can't really. Kids. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I, I can't really say that there was a technological trend that I, I did or didn't get behind because I didn't have the income to make my own financial decisions when any of this was first coming out. Um, honestly, the sad thing is, like, the closest I can think of to a fad that I, like, bought into, um, or, like, invested some of my own money into, was actually back in elementary school. Um, so this would have been early 2000s uh there was this trend for a while where people wore these like they were rubber bands that were shaped like different things yes totally remember those the, the silly bands yep i remember i, mean, I don't too. remember them from my childhood but i i was in the school systems when the kids had them yes um because uh, i remember that when they got banned it, like there were a lot of kid trends that i remember that got banned like while i was watching them happen like heelys because um, oh, I kept scratching I up the floors. Heelys. Yeah. I hated way them. Way too old. I was way too old to be wearing Heelys, but I sure as shit did. Did you really? <laughs> yes. They was, I love skating. Like I have my whole life. I, I dig skating and and rolling, and like I've always been into that crap. And when those came out, I was like, I don't care how. Old. And I've always looked a little younger too, so I, I looked. I'm surprised that, that they like were in your size that you could like as an adult get them. Yes, they had adult size Heelys. <laughs> <laughs> I remember kids that had just like rainbows just all the way up their arms because they would like because you couldn't it wasn't just like that you had them or that you had a couple that were special it was like how many can you physically wear at one time <laughs> um, and that's why they started banning them is because kids were like actually cutting off the circulation in their arms and like we're starting to oh do my damage God. And kids it was, do like, stupid stuff yeah I was gonna say uh, kids are dumb it also like, like <laughs> It sparked this whole underground market and people were trading different shapes and colors and it's like well do you have the red dolphin no but i have the pineapple um oh God, i don't i don't know what happened to them i had like 300 of them at some point 
Um, I had a spitball collection whenever I was in elementary school. <laughs> Can't relate. Hmm. How um, gross. Yeah, so that's a... That's the fad that comes to mind for me. My colored plastic nonsense. Did we entertain you, Ovalo? <laughs> I remember pencil fighting back in oh, middle I school. Oh, I loved pencil fighting. No, you had to make the uh, yeah. you had to make the the longer swords out of the or dry erase board markers. Oh, I remember that too. Yeah, Go stack we them together and then boards. whack each other to look at. You part. still had dry race markers or boards, at least in, at like college. Yeah, sure, in college, but not in elementary school. In elementary school, it was chalkboard 100%. Yeah, chalkboards and yeah, in elementary school for sure. See, but when I was I, in elementary school, we had the smart board, which was that computer thing that they like stuck on the, uh, the side and it was like an interactable touch thing with the stylus. And, like, yes, we, we have those overhead at work projectors. Now. And I love playing with them at work. In fact, I do a bunch of presentations and I insist. And they're like, do you want the board? Like, yes, please turn the board <laughs> on. Yes, <laughs> please figure out a reason later. I just play with it. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was actually really funny because like in elementary and middle school, like one class would have a smart board and then you'd go to the next one and they had to wheel in a little projector when like Bill and I was playing on the TV that was like on the really squeaky cart. And yep. like, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> you just went back and forth. I remember that cart, the AV cart. The AV it. cart. I loved being picked because I was kind of a, a little nerd. I loved being picked to go get the AV cart from the library. Yep, from the library. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, regardless of what fads come and go, apparently uh, school never changes. <laughs> if you guys would like to submit a tea time question for the podcast, head on over to SoakingGaming.org slash media and find the submission bar on the right-hand side of the page. Thank you for tuning in to the Sokin Podcast. For more Sokin Media, visit us at SokinGaming.org slash SokinMedia, follow our Twitter at SokinGaming, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Sokin Gaming Community, and look for future episodes of the podcast on Google Podcasts and iTunes. Until next time, I've been T. Misa Jace. I am. I have been, and I will remain Leo. We'll see you next week. Stay classy, Sokin. Thank you for listening to the Sokin Community Podcast. Craving more? Visit us on Twitter and YouTube at Sokin Gaming, as well as our website, www.sokingaming.com. Until next time, stay classy. Right, Jace?